welcome to Grind Forever, the bi-weekly RPG podcast on the PNB Network. I am your host, Dylan Tierney, and joining me is Kiss Kiss Game Game's own Jessica Howard. Say hi. Hey, guys. All right, and we're here to talk about... Now, uh, if you know this podcast and you've seen the thumbnail, you know that you know, Final Fantasy VII is kind of a heavy hitter in the world of RPGs. Um, but when I reached out to Jessica, this was the game that came out to her uh, first... For some heavy hitters like Persona 5, I'm saving Persona 5 for a very special kind of uh, guest setup, but uh, I think it's time we do Final Fantasy 7 and really tackle it. And uh, based on what I've heard from Jessica's own podcast, like I said, Kiss Kiss Game Game, I think she's perfect for the job. She's definitely up to it. So, Aww. Final Fantasy 7, what's your what's your kind of history with, with the game when you first play it? Okay, so Final Fantasy VII, and part of the reason why when you like gave me this opportunity to come on here and talk about a game, um, it was the first one that came to mind. For me, like my whole gaming history starts with Final Fantasy VII. That oh, is like the first game that I really remember playing. Um, so it came out obviously in 97, and I probably played it in 98, and I would have been like probably five years old, <laughs> so probably too <laughs> young to be playing a Final Fantasy game. Um, but... No, I mean, my, like, I remember the first time that I played it was um, my mom, actually, she was playing the game. And you know how um, when you do chocobo racing, you can either do it on manual or automatic? Um, she used to set it on automatic. <laughs> she would just have me, like, sit on her lap, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm totally doing this. And, like, I'm really, really good. And really, it was just, like, you know, my mom's hard work with, you know, grinding out the uh, chocobos and leveling those, or not leveling those up, like, getting the different colors and breeding them and stuff. Um, but in my in my eyes, I was doing this, and this was a really cool game. And like the gold, and she would let me play like some of the Golden Saucer mini games and stuff. And that was like my first real experience with it. And then oh, really? a few years later, when I could actually like take in a narrative, like mm-hmm. I started playing it, and I fell in love. So you got into it through your mother, is what you're saying? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So like, what kind of was she in that realm of like being a big JRPG fan too, or like how did that kind of come about? She was like, I mean, she wasn't like as huge as some people or anything like that but she you know she really enjoyed games um she was a young mother when she had me so i you know i think that that kind of allowed her to kind of i don't know when you get older it's hard and you have more kids i feel like it's harder to kind of keep up with that hobby but when Mm -hmm. i was her first child and she had me when she was like 15 so super super young Mm. um so when you know i was five she was 20 so she was still very much like you know playing games and um like she liked you know all the Final Fantasy games, uh, like Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross, I remember we had those. Um, gosh, Legend of Dragoon was another one. So I mean, she she liked like kind of the bigger JRPGs. She wouldn't have uh, been into like the niche ones as much. But gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. Now, when you went back to Final Fantasy VII later, um, was there anything? Because because sometimes when I go back to older games, when I get older, um, it really start you really start to take the rose colored glasses off and start kind of seeing it for what it is. Like I, I remember when I went back to the original Sonic the Hedgehog games after, you know, when I was like 12, 13, it's just like, I'm, I'm not really getting the same kind of feel I did when I was a kid on these. Cause obviously when you're a kid, your first few games are kind of magical in that way. So, uh, what made seven stick to you? No, I totally understand that. Um, I went like, cause, so I played it obviously the first time, like I said, with my mom, not really played it, but just kind of was a passenger in that mm-hmm. when I was like five, I played it for the first time and really got it when I was eight. And then like, since then I've probably played it every couple of years. Um, and I still really, really love it. It's funny. It's like, I feel like, I don't know if the rose glasses are ever going to fall off because I made <laughs> Andrew actually, um, play through the entire game. 
like a couple years ago and he had played through most of it and like he you know like you he's like he had never completely played through it before but it's like just such an important game that people inherently know a lot about it if they're at all into gaming um so he actually played all the way through it and he just made fun of me the whole time he's like man like these (laughs) translations are so bad and i'm like i don't even notice it when i play like right it just but um no, I mean, it definitely has its flaws. I don't know if it's technically the best Final Fantasy game. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of, like, Final Fantasy VI. I absolutely love. Um, I really love Nine a lot, too. Um, you know, Ten's fine. 12's fine. Like, they're, you know, they're good enough. But, <laughs> right. like, I, I, Six and Nine are phenomenal games. And so I completely understand when people are like, oh, no, Six is better, Nine's better. And even some of the earlier ones, too. I think that because of, like, the, you know... Japanese versus American release, the numbers get kind of mixed up for people. Yeah, you start lo- getting in the weeds on like Final Fantasy 2 and 3 because, you know, like yeah. the, the, and those games are, are rudimentary, but they still remade them a bunch over the years. And I have like a real soft spot for Final Fantasy 1 specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that again, lies into the remakes where they kind of updated the battle systems, made it a little less uh, incoherent, let's say, especially for <laughs> yeah. one, 1 and 2's case. Um, mm mm-hmm. But yeah, actually, uh, if I had to pick like a, a, a gimme for like Final Fantasy, mine would actually be 4, which I don't hear a lot of people really talk about as much. But Who is the main character in 4? Cecil. He's a dark Cecil. Uh, he's a dark knight. It, it's very there's a lot of Star Wars parallels in that in that game. Okay. He's a, imagine if like Darth Vader was the main character and then like halfway through he turns good pretty much. <laughs> that and sounds that, actually pretty great. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a whole dungeon that's about like you know, way before Persona, fighting your inner demons and fighting your own self. So, mm-hmm. um, but when it comes to Seven, I've always had it. Like, even when I was, you know, a little kid, and I'd go to cousins' houses and see Playstations all around. This is like pre-Dreamcast times, you know. So I was like a real little kid. But I mean, like, I'd always see the Final Fantasy Seven like disc sleeve everywhere. Like, it was always a game that was around, and I never knew what it was. And it's just mm-hmm. like this. This picture of you know Cloud staring at I believe what is that um, just Midgar is that is that yeah it's Midgar it's like the Shinra like Mako reactors right right and I'm <clears> like <throat> oh what is this like I I have no I have no context for what this is and like I never asked it was just always mm-hmm. around um, and as I kind of grew up and started listening to like listening to podcasts kind of learning more about games as a culture Final Fantasy VII was always still there and I always found it interesting that it's just one of those those touchstone games that just never really, really fades in a similar way that you, you have a history with Final Fantasy VII that never will really go away. I almost feel like gaming's going to be in the same way. Um, people have been pining for things like a remake for years and years and years, and we'll eventually, you know, cross that bridge uh, when we get to it, I guess. But <laughs> maybe one day. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, hopefully before I, you know, go bald or something. But exactly. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. It, it speaks to um, the. The sort of gravitas Final Fantasy VII had uh, when it came out at the time. I do remember um, when I started listening to all these shows that talk about like the, the reverence of things like Final Fantasy VII. A lot of times the cutscenes would come up, and uh, like not only the cutscenes in the game, but like advertising pre-rendered cutscenes. I think that mm-hmm. was the first time Square really leaned into that, and I want to say they kept doing it. You know, well into the Kingdom Hearts times. You know, like. I'd say for the next decade, that was a lot of what Square was doing, was like pushing cinematics for these RPGs that they haven't really ever done before. Mm-hmm. Was there any... No, I, I, oh, I was going to say, I completely agree. Yeah, they. I think they were one of the first um, to kind of 
be a, like they were a pioneer as mm-hmm. far as like cinematics and stuff goes. Um, I think they went a little overboard with it towards like <laughs> Final Fantasy twelve and on. Like I remember they get they're, they're really cool, they're really beautiful, especially. Um, but I, I just remember it started to take up a lot of the game. So I don't. I actually oh, yeah. I never played fifteen, um, just because I heard super mixed things and I wanted to wait until all of the content was released to play it so Which I can play it as a full right, game. And, right now, I believe that's yeah. Where it's at. Like the, yeah. the the complete edition just came out or something uh, along those lines. So. I think I think it did. Like it was supposed to be. I knew it was sometime this spring, so it would not surprise me if that just happened. But I plan on playing it. Um, I just didn't want to be one of those people who played it beforehand and then was like super turned Sully off by, by it and didn't want to yeah. touch it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I think that they were kind of pioneers in cutscenes. But you were about to ask something. What were you gonna say? Oh, no, it was more just <laughs> expounding on the cinematic thing. Of like, do you think that? Uh, do you think that colored people's perception of what like the modern at the time JRPG was really going to be? Like, do you think there was a disconnect between oh this beautiful this beautiful cutscene and actually playing the game and it has two D backgrounds and you're, <laughs> you're you're walking around on these weird platforms and Cloud looks ridiculous and that's why he has his haircut? Yeah, no, and I think that. I definitely think it did, um, to a certain extent, kind of set that trend. At the same time, though, I feel like Final Fantasy VII actually has really nice backgrounds. Like, they're all, like, the hand-painted and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I feel like it kind of retained um, its sense of, like, artistry in that regard. So I, like, and I get the complaints about, like, Cloud looking just like a pixel blob because he totally does. But I still think, like, we should be kind to the backgrounds because they're really, yeah. really actually very gorgeous. Um, but, yeah, no, I, t- I totally see what you mean. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, those backgrounds are pretty good in the f- in that it was the only way you could really sneak 2D in back then. In 97, mm-hmm. when like the PlayStation was really gearing up and games like Final Fantasy VII were coming out, um, it was really hard to get a 2D anything back there because everybody wanted the 3D. Like Symphony of the Night mm-hmm. at the time was a bit of a, a bit of like a gambit just because of its uh, 2D style, but um, it, it is. I would say it's partially thanks to games like Final Fantasy VII really pushing that mold with uh, 3D. And it, it was, I, wa- I don't want to say it's the first of its kind of an RPG on PS1, but it definitely kicked off that, like, huge winning streak Square had in the late 90s. For yeah, for sure. Years and, like, you know, well into, like I said, the Kingdom Hearts era, I'd say Square was still riding that high. Um, which I think at the time they actually did merge with Enix, so I, I guess that was a bit of that Final Fantasy movie uh, bringing them down a little bit, but... Games department, they were going strong and like mm-hmm. really did in that time period. Um, so let's talk about the story in Seven, which could probably have like its own multi-part podcast about. Um, oh yeah, seriously. So there's a lot of characters in Final Fantasy Seven. Like every Final Fantasy, you get a good party going. But even not playing the game, I feel like I could name most of the cast because they're just kind of that level of iconic. Um, was there a character that really spoke to you the most? I think that the character that I love the most from Final Fantasy VII is probably Tifa. Um, Mm. And I I know her name's Tifa, but I always called her Tifa when I was a kid. It just (laughs) stuck, and I I like Tifa. But, (laughs) uh, yeah, no, I mean, I I absolutely love her. To me, she always seemed like, um, you know, Cloud's obviously, like, the leader and, and, like, Mm -hmm. the the protagonist of the story. And, you know, Barrett was the leader of... um, Avalanche? Av- Avalanche, yeah. I was going to say soldier. I'm like, no. <laughs> Avalanche. Um, and so he kind of had that. But And so I feel like she was never formally like a leader of anything. But at the same time, she led very silently throughout the entire game. And like mm-hmm. whenever Cloud was, um, you know, kind of going through his mental break and he was unable to, you know, carry on. Like she's the one who kind of 
picked up the torch and ran with it. And mm-hmm. so she just always, to me, has been a really strong character, even if she doesn't necessarily, like, she's still feminine, too, which is great. You know, she's right. not, like, she's strong in, like, kind of that quiet, but really formidable way. So I've, I've always really loved her. Yeah, it was great. And I don't remember at the time um, knowing if there was any, like, monk characteristics that went to just, you know, a, a, a woman like Tifa, you know? Like, uh, mm-hmm. like you know, a, a, a very pretty kind of girl. Like, oh, but I'm a monk and I'm going to kick your ass and, like, you know, crack some heads. And, like, that was her kind of modus operandi, really. Like, how she carried herself. And, yeah, like, it's, it's again, speaks to the sort of like how iconic these characters are that like if Cloud's in a game okay usually goes Cloud and Sephiroth but Tifa's always right there like right there next to him like whenever mm-hmm. it comes to like Dissidia or any crossover games World of Final Fantasy everybody's always wondering like where Tifa is like she's always in the conversation and definitely speaks of her strengths as a character no and I yeah I completely agree um, it, it, and it's really cool to see her in, in games like that. Um, like I remember when I played the first uh, Dissidia, that, like seeing her in there was so cool. <laughs> right, right, definitely. Because I wasn't expecting it, but it, it made me happy. Right, yeah, and especially the first couple of Dissidias, like the the wow factor of having like basically quote unquote their own Smash Brothers was pretty pretty special at the time. Because mm-hmm. I think at the time, thirteen might have been coming out. That might have been the actual. That might have been the second Dissidia, but. Uh, point being it was a big like Final Fantasy was in a pretty big moment at that time so mm-hmm. having this celebration in its fighting game was actually pretty cool but uh, back to seven um, there's a lot of different moments like the game split obviously between three discs there's a lot of mm-hmm. set pieces a lot of moments for all these characters was there a specific moment in the game that really like spoke to you the most anything with like Red 13's dad or anything with um, that whole Cosmo Canyon arc like wh- that just kind of spoke to me the most what kind of hits you no i love that you brought up the cosmo canyon arc because like that's an incredible arc i really mm-hmm. do love it a lot um the whole thing with his with his father and like the petrification like i remember crying at that part like there, there's so many parts in final fantasy 7 that like made me cry <laughs> and i feel like that's why i have like such a strong emotional connection to it is because mm-hmm. before that i had um like i said final fantasy 7 was one of like, the first real like I don't know, story-driven games that I played. I remember playing uh, Link to the Past and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But, like, obviously that game, as great as it is, because I really do love Link to the Past, um, it's not... There's, there's not like some huge story uh, driven emotional narrative there mm-hmm. um, but with Final Fantasy 7 there were just so many moments that were just so powerful um, you know it's like it's such a cliche but even Eris's death and it's like not even just because of losing Eris as a character but just the dialogue that Cloud says after as far as like you know she'll never laugh again she'll you know like I, I don't care about any of this like you you killed her you know and like mm-hmm. that that was so um I don't know. It was just, it felt real and it felt raw and I really liked that. And all those revelations about who she was as a person, you never thought she'd be the type to yeah. kind of vanish like that. Like, learning who she is and what her, like, her deal, like, her race is kind of thing. Like, like who she is in the grand scheme of the world of Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, like, no, and deal. it's like, they had killed off um, characters in previous, you know, Final Fantasy games. Uh, like, even just in six before it. Right. Um, you know, Shadow is, he can optionally... Uh, you know, you can leave him behind and he dies. Um, and even, I think, what, Cells? She, I mean, she doesn't die, but she, like, you know, almost commits suicide. So it, it gets mm-hmm. dark and, like, there are emotional parts in that. Um, but 
the fact that they like she was she's like the last of the ancients and she was you know this this quiet flower girl and she had such a strong character and she was like this potential love interest and she she just had so much built upon her um and for all of that to like go away it was crazy exactly. yeah I'd, I'd never seen yeah. a game do that before and this was 1997 you know games weren't that removed from just being you know go left to right and like you know jump on certain like games hadn't really evolved narratively to that degree yet um to yeah. where like big twists like this really can speak to people because you know they had some stuff in four where a lot of characters like would would die and come back and six like you said before had a lot of things going for it but the combination of like at the time what final fantasy 7 was technologically you know kind of being a bit more uh like down to earth and relatable for people um and having this you know gaming still very young medium so having all this uh kind of st good storytelling i'll say you know, like, Aerosmith mm -hmm. is, like, I, I might have some issues, and there's silly things you can laugh at in Final Fantasy VII, but they handle that stuff pretty well. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, I mean, there's definitely, like like I said, it is not a perfect game by any means. Like, right. there are lots of, lots of things that they could have done better that would have made, uh, I don't know, like, certain things have more weight to them. It's <laughs> just, like, little mistakes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So, like, there's there's definitely mistakes. But, yeah, no, that's that's one of the best moments. And for me, too, um, one of my favorite characters in that series was Vincent Valentine, too. And his uh, backstory is really, really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. I always just really liked the Turks, honestly, as, like, secondary characters or maybe even, like, tertiary. Um, they're just a really cool uh, group of people. Um, and so, like, his whole backstory with the Turks, the Hojo, Locretia, um, yeah. Sephiroth, mm -hmm. like, like, that whole mess, um, it just shows that they put a lot of thought into not only, like, Cloud's immediate backstory and, like, the Zack story and his relationship with Sephiroth and Soldier, but, like, to go all the way back to that it was pretty cool. Yeah, and it definitely, <clears throat> like, having, having all those threads that weren't just necessarily immediately connected to Cloud show, like, they're... they're commitment to world building and making sure mm -hmm. that you know the the world of seven was something that that really spoke to people and i think they really succeeded you know a, a, like a lot of a lot of final fantasies and even jrpgs have followed after this would kind of just take that sort of methodology of world building and apply it to their games and like it kind of all started with final fantasy yeah, you know, it's like, I think that there's kind of a, a difference between, um, like, there's kind of two types of world building, you know, like, there's world building where you, you set up lore and you think about the areas and you, um, you know, you think about the world at large, I guess, and kind of, you know, okay, what's the culture like here? What are these people? And there's kind of that world building. What are the religions? Um, mm -hmm. And then you have what Final Fantasy VII did, which was just, okay, so here are all of these characters, and like these are really the only ones that we need to have this elaborate story for, but let's go ahead and expand that ring like three times as large and have backstories for all of these guys. And so it just, it makes it to where um, people feel a lot more real. Like, I mean, even with um, your party, and it's something, sorry if I'm jumping everywhere, but it's like something with like Mass Effect 2 that I really loved is you had like the loyalty missions and stuff like that. You kind of right. almost get that feel in Final Fantasy 7 with like, okay, you know, Red 13, you do the Cosmo Canyon stuff. With Kate Sith, you find out that he's actually like, you know, a spy and you have his kind of backstory. With um, Barrett, you have the whole thing with Dine in uh, the desert and stuff like right, that in his, his hometown. Stuff, yeah. yeah, exactly, and his, his daughter, um, you know, Tifa obviously kind of gets like linked in with Cloud's like home life in Nibelheim and stuff like that. 
or I guess yeah, early life is what I mean to say. So it's like you have all of these backstories for these characters, and you also have stuff for like like I said, even the Turks, even Hojo, um, even Lucretia, who's not even a character who's still alive, um, right. but you still have that kind of optionally tucked in there. So it's just there's really. Um, just a lot, <laughs> like you said. I mean, you could have several episodes on um, all the different stories that they kind of weave into the game, and it's cool because they could have stopped way before they made all of those, but they didn't, and no, I love that about it. And and to its credit, and maybe even detriment, you know, Seven was the one that was the most iterated upon and had the most prequels, sidequels, and sequels, <laughs> and, and movies. Like, they, yep. <laughs> they, they knew what they had, and they think they milked it accordingly, you know? Like, we have a lot of Seven to go for, like... I could probably have an episode just on Crisis Core and Zack's story. Yeah, um, now Seven is definitely the cash cow of the Final <laughs> Fantasy. Right? Like you said, like maybe to its detriment, but yeah, I mean, you have what Advent Children, Crisis Core, um, Dirge of Cerberus. Yeah, Dirge of Cerberus. Um, oh gosh, what was? And then there was like a whole. Uh, they had like this cell phone game in Japan that was all about the Turks and they also had um, uh, like bo after crisis or before crisis I don't even know it was like a four part anime thing in Japan they, too yeah yeah they yeah. definitely yeah have a lot with Seven and I'd, I'd say rightfully so you know they, they set up mm -hmm. a lot in this world and they explored a lot of the avenues with it especially with like what comes after you know everybody wants to everybody thinks they want prequels all the time and while well, they did get a prequel at some point it's cool to see what happened like after all this stuff goes yeah. down and like Barrett's going away to find like oil and you know find a different energy source because like I mean not the sp I mean it's a 20 year old game but like you know the the corporations are kind of stealing you know life and essence from the planet to have mm -hmm. this renewable energy source and really I'd say that that underlying narrative is not dated in any way shape or form really like yeah it's surprising how how it still really speaks to people and how it really speaks to our current situation of of what of how we get you know oil and how we get all our energies and stuff it's it's all built on like decayed organic matter anyway so you know like it, it's uh, it, it's i'm surprised how timely or timeless the underlying narrative about the live stream actually is yeah no i mean that's something that's kind of cool about it is it's a very um very political game honestly like mm -hmm. i remember uh even when you know not to get too into like real life politics or anything like but even when um trump was elected you know uh there was an article that i think that maybe like ign or polygon somebody posted it and it was like um you know playing final fantasy 7 in trump's america or something like that and i mm -hmm. read the whole thing it was this really long article but it was just incredibly interesting so if you're listening i recommend checking that out because it was it was pretty cool read um but it is, it's a very political game. Um, just the way that they handle corporations and kind of uh, environmental issues um, and even kind of the military they have with Soldier and right. um, like, it, like it's, it's, it's a pretty cool read. I can't sum it up as well as the article. So I would say, you know, look out for that, people. Oh, sure. Wanna... Give it a look. I'll, I'll, I'll link it in the show, um, in the show okay, notes. Okay, cool. And um, I'll try to find it for you to make it easier. Gotcha. But yeah, it, it and... A lot of other Final Fantasies, you know, like their their plots kind of go inward on their main characters, and while Cloud is obviously the front and center for Final Fantasy VII, uh, mm. like a lot of the other characters really got their moment to shine. I don't remember in ten if you know Waka got that kind of chance, you know, like mm. like it, it was it was one of those things where it's a bit of the old because the old Final Fantasies really were focused on the party as much as it was the the main character because especially I think this culminated in six where you didn't really have like Terra was the main character kind of de facto. But yeah, no, it was, six it was is an ensemble super. Cast. 
Yeah, no, I, uh, six is a great example to bring up too. I mean, like in six, you multiple times even split up and kind of have different leaders. And it's never really, um, I think quite, like you said, I think Tara is probably the main character, but like Locke is also kind of a main character. Exactly. And it was kind of cool how they did that. So. And then with, with seven, <laughs> you still have that old flavor of like getting to know the party, sometimes splitting mm -hmm. up, um, but sometimes, you know, sticking together and, uh, and having Cloud be as complex as he is definitely informed like uh, the rest of the series. Even in even in throwback games like Nine, you know everything's not quite what it seems when it comes to um, our like our the main cast there. I'm actually blank. Mm -hmm. Zidane. Zidane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's very interesting how they went that route with with Cloud and how it how it colors because even even modern games like Thirteen, I'd say. I'd say Lightning, to uh, her detriment almost, is very much like Cloud. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, even, even in terms of design and, like, yes. it's definitely like, well, what if we just make Cloud a girl? And I know that yeah. undersells probably, probably undersells Lightning. There's three games of her that I actually haven't played, so I'm probably talking out of my ass on that one. But uh, she definitely comes off as stoic in that cloudy kind of way. So. Yeah, and I think that Cloud, when he was first made, and, like, a lot of people... And I and I, like it's completely warranted because Cloud is a moody little, you know. But <laughs> um, I think that when he first came out, though, he was one of the first like video game protagonists to kind of have like his sort of attitude. And then after that, yeah. And then after that, I feel like it was replicated a lot because he did so well. It was kind of that's funny. As I'm in a game design class right now, and we were just talking about how. Um, one of like the hallmarks of like 90s video games and stuff like that in that kind of uh, generation is uh, like that lone wolf protagonist. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, and I feel like he was one of like the really big ones who came out at that time. And uh, so you saw a lot of replications of like the same exact character, you know, even Squall to a certain extent is very much like Cloud. Oh yes. Um, yes. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it, it makes like, it just cheapens the whole thing. It, it cheapens is, the characters yeah. that came after him and him because you look back at him and you're like, oh, he's just kind of like a, a moody, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on here. I say a moody Go ahead. Bitch, yeah. but <laughs> a moody, moody little bitch. A moody bitch. He is. He's kind. He's kind of a bitch boy. But, <laughs> but I mean, he has his reasons. And and to be fair, at the start with the uh, Chinna reactor and stuff, he's more more cocky, more like more Han Solo type. I'd say he is. Like, and that's funny. It's like that's one thing. Um, his personality in the game is so different from how they did him in uh, like Advent Children and everything yeah. that kind of followed. Cause like he has like, he uses slang in the game. Like he, um, you know, he's like, I don't care about nothing. You know, like he's kind of like that mm -hmm. type of thing. And so it's, it's interesting where they went. And he, by the end of the game, he does change. He is more, you know, like how they later show him. Mm -hmm. So I guess just character development is really what that is. But right. yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause he is different at the beginning. Right. Right. Um, and Kind of speaking to the beginning of the game, uh, I, I remember when I started doing research for the show, uh, I got really sucked into the soundtrack. Uh, and let me tell you, I, I love me a good game soundtrack, but Sevens is like, Sevens pulled no punches when it comes to its soundtrack, when it comes to boss themes, battle themes, just the intro with the, the light drums, the tingling stars fading in. Like it's it's mm. a it's a hell of an intro. Just you talking about the intro like gave me chills. No, the it, intro is so incredibly good. I remember a few years back, actually, I was probably like ten years back now, um, when they like redid it with like PlayStation Three, like type type graphics. I want to say I don't remember mm -hmm. how long ago that was. Um, and like I freaked out. I was like, oh man, the remake is coming. And like of course <laughs> here we are now, and and still no remake. Still but like no it remake. was just gorgeous, and it still it still gives me like those you know 
just excitement when I see it. And the soundtrack, oh my gosh. I, I still think, you know, I think that Nobumatsu does amazing work in every single Final Fantasy game he's touched. Mm -hmm. But um, to me, Seven is just like, it's just Seven, gorgeous. Seven's really strong. I went to, uh, me and my girlfriend went to Distant Worlds in Chicago a few months ago. Oh, back. I'm so jealous. That's it, so cool. Which, by the way, is amazing. I encourage you if it's like, you know, anywhere within a five hour radius of you, I recommend you go. It's really, really good. But Seven was easily the most represented and it's easy to see why, you know, it's the one that, pe that mm -hmm. obviously spoke to people the most, but... You know, like nine would get a couple of songs, four would get a couple of songs, seven had like six, you know, like. Well, it, and I think like I've listened to the Distant World soundtrack and like, don't they start um, start out with like the intro song for seven? Well, they that's the one that's the first official song. Their actual first song is like, you know, the prelude and they. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. have a little like slideshow of all the Final Fantasies and, you know, like it's. I not to get too corny, but it is actually kind of beautiful, like just seeing it, you know, a few rows back from the front and like all the all the all the performers just you know putting on a great show all the people playing their instruments it was it's really good and yeah like it starts that first song um was the the intro to final Fantasy 7 mm -hmm. and you know they came out swinging it's one of those like and to that intro again um when they announced cloud for smash brothers they uh in they just had the intro really like the notes and all the all the very pre-cloud showing up moments of mm -hmm. of the Final Fantasy VII intro, and I was with a group of friends, and immediately a couple people were freaking out. And I'm just like, "What is? I don't understand. Uh, like, is this Star Fox? Is it a backpoint? <laughs> it's space. I don't get it." And uh, and <laughs> I see hilarious. the Smash Brothers logo go up, and I'm like, "Oh, what? What the fuck is it? Is it?" And then I see the Final Fantasy logo kind of fade in, and it's like, "Oh shit." But, yeah, that's, no, that's yeah, that's awesome. It is, it is great, and it just goes to show, like, you know, it, who who among my friends was the real, like, the real <laughs> big Final Fantasy VII fan. Where, like, right from the get go, they're just like, oh fuck, no, no way. No, I whenever they announced the remake at like E3, what was it? Probably two years ago or something. I don't, I don't. It was like two or three years ago is when they announced the remake. I think it was mm -hmm. two. Um, but I was like. I was with a couple of my friends and I was with Andrew and we were in uh, we were at my house watching it and I just remember like as soon as like it's it, because I think it shows it shows like the intro cutscene again but yeah. it shows like the black and the stars and stuff like that and I was like oh my god oh no it shows it shows the sign on the um, subway that's what it Midgard, is like yeah. you see the stop thing and I'm like oh my god is is that and like I just started freaking <laughs> out and I was like by the end of it I was actually crying <laughs> by that so point stuff, stuff like twitch chat had kind of blown up so like you mm -hmm. know I could always see like Every wise guy in the side like was like, "Oh, this is seven. This has to be seven. It has to be seven. Yeah. Like, no. no, I saw like the stop list. That's what it was. It had yeah. like the 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 train stop list, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is this is definitely Midgar." And I was like, "What are they doing? Is this a remake? Are they doing?" And as soon as I started seeing like they start talking, and I realized that's Cloud, you know. And everybody starts walking out, and you see Ju Cloud's mm -hmm. giant Buster Sword, and it's like, man. This is giving me chills, and I've never played yeah. this game. <laughs> yeah, no, it was so cool. Like I said, by the by the end of it, I was I was legitimately sobbing. So <laughs> that's that to me was the the pinnacle. <laughs> that's all I wanted. Yeah, that would have been me with something like Metroid Prime, I think. But mm -hmm. all, they showed us they showed us a thumbnail, so you know, like as exciting as it is, <laughs> as exciting as it is, you put together the number four in Photoshop and pasted it on there. So I'm glad it's happening. And that was, that was really heartbreaking. I, do I mean, feel bad. yeah, I just, I'm glad it's happening. You know, that's cool. Yeah. And we got Samus Returns later that year, so that was cool. Mm -hmm. But, um, 
it just kind of it's and it's crazy to me that Cloud actually ever ended up in Smash Brothers. I know this is a, it was after Solid Snake, <laughs> and I've probably made this burn too many places before, but it's like, man, poor PlayStation All Stars. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like the the number one guy in the business, Smash Brothers, got you know got Snake and then got Cloud, which is seriously just crazy to me. Like Snake mm-hmm. was one thing. Snake technically had precedence on Nintendo platforms, be it NES or be it GameCube. But like cloud, like what? There's nothing like that's so random, but in the best way possible. So just hoping for uh, Nate Drake next time. Oh god, yeah, <laughs> that, that'll be that'll be the death nail for All Stars <laughs> Two, I'm sure. <laughs> now they'll, they'll they'll bounce back. They'll get a nice PlayStation All Star, like I don't know, uh, Ezio, you know, like some yeah, some yeah, yeah, yeah. random third party guy. So. That's funny. <clears throat> um, but back to seven. Um, was there, did you actually keep up with any of the sequel games or any of the uh, post-release stuff? I did. I played all of Dirge of Cerberus. Because um, like I said, Vincent Valentine was always one of my favorite characters. So when that right. came out, I was like, hell yeah, got to play this. Um, so I played Dirge of Cerberus. I played Crisis Core. Um, I watched Advent Children, despite it being kind of an awful movie, a lot <laughs> when I was younger. <laughs> um, great remixes, and... though. Huh? Great, great remixes on the soundtrack. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, the, the soundtrack, it's still... And it was really, you know, because obviously whenever um, the soundtrack was first in the game, it wasn't fully orchestrated. Right. <laughs> so, like, with uh, with Advent Children, it was really cool to kind of hear that and hear, like, the, the grand version of these songs. Um, and then I also did watch the um, Before Crisis or whatever. Um, I, I, don't, I don't even know if you would consider it. I'm it was, like, pretty sure it was, like, a prequel because they all follow like it's ac bc cc and bc so i think it is actually before crisis yeah i think it's before i mean because it is it's a it's a prequel it's um mm-hmm. all about zach and cloud and like escaping um kind of soldier and and how zach dies and how cloud kind of picks up and carries on after that and it's like I, I was gonna say i don't know if it'd be considered like a full-blown anime because i think it's only like a one hour thing well then it's probably like and, an ova or something like yeah it was just divided effect. into portions but mm-hmm. i think it's just an hour long um but that was really cool and you can watch all of it on youtube it's um subbed but you know yeah good stuff there but um when it comes to the actual game of final fantasy 7 um was there any like specific boss battle or moments that really stuck out to you i, n- I remember hearing <clears> stories <throat> about like the zombie you have to cast kira on and like that oh, that yeah, sounds yeah. that sounds I, I I know that doesn't sound that crazy these days, but like back then, just like, what do you mean I have to heal the dead guy? Like, yeah, yeah, no, it, it was really cool because they kind of did. Um, you know, I think that Final Fantasy VI did it too, because when when you're on the ghost train or something like that, I think that you can throw potions at enemies and oh, that will kill them. That, yeah, it would kill them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um. But yeah, no, Final Fantasy VII did that too, and like it was it was funny. It's Final Fantasy. Um because of that line of thinking in the Final Fantasy games, because I've done it a few times, um, it made it to where when I would switch to other games, I would try to do that and then accidentally end up, like, you know, killing a boss or something. And I'm <laughs> like, like hey, yeah, you guys need to get it together. Like, Final Fantasy did this, ten, you know, 15 years ago. So, right. but, um, yeah, no, I mean, that's when you're in uh, Shinra Manor. That's when you fight those guys. Um, and you can cast Cure on them. Mm-hmm. Trying to think of different bosses. I mean, even in Shinra Manor, um, the... Uh, Oh gosh, I can't think of his name right now. But the like giant boss that you fight when you crack open the safe to get Vincent, mm-hmm. um, that was a pretty cool battle. And like finding the different numbers for the safe around the house. Um, the Materia Keeper in uh, Nibelheim is a really cool battle. All the ultimates are 
amazing. Incredibly, incredibly hard to beat. Um, oh, for sure. But, uh, or not do the you, ultimates, the weapons. Do you remember, like, the uh, Zolum or anything like that? Giant Zolum. It's the giant snake. Is that the one in... It's the Mithril... Oh. It's by the Mithril Mines, I think. Something oh, like so the snake in the water. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't even know his name was Zolum. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that was a super cool battle, too, because the first time that you see that snake, like, I mean, it's kind of imminent when it's chasing you in the water and stuff like that. And the first time mm -hmm. you really see what it looks like is when Sephiroth kills one and he, like, shoves the wooden pole through it. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. first of all, it shows how insanely strong Sephiroth is. And you're like, OK, I'm going to have to fight this dude later. But then on top of that, it's like. The snake is fucking huge. Right, <laughs> so, exactly. And so when you have that chasing you in the water and then you finally, um, you know, for the first time fight it, that was that was pretty crazy. Um, I think that the Rufus, one of the Rufus fights, maybe it's the only Rufus fight. I can't remember right now. But when he um, when you're fighting him and he's just kind of he's so cocky about it and like, you know, taking off on the helicopter after and stuff, too, like that, that whole battle is pretty cool. Um, mm. Fighting the Turks was always fun. Like I said, the Turks were some of my favorite characters just because, like, they were very charismatic. Like, they they were almost comedic relief, but not quite, um, you know? And, like, their whole mentality of, like, this is just our job. Like, we have nothing personally wrong with you. Um, like, I mean, even when they're off-duty on vacation and they run into you, they're like, hey, we don't want to fight because we're, like, on vacation right now. <laughs> and, and, like, that's kind of, you know, they, they just had a very... I don't know. They like I said they were very charismatic characters, so I, oh, I really sure. enjoyed them. So fighting yeah. them was always pretty fun. Oh, and just Genova too. Like I think you know, speaking of iconic pieces of music from that game. Um, oh yeah, Genova. That song great. is insane, and One Winged Angel too. Like both of those songs are beautiful. So for so Fortress cool. and Worlds, uh, they actually had um, when they when they did um, Final Fantasy VII and got to One Winged Angel, um, they got Hanat Sakaguchi. Crap, I can't believe. Um, the, the composer, the um, oh uh, Nobu Umatsu. Yeah, Umatsu. Yeah, he's yeah. actually in the. He's he was there for one. That's um, he, so cool. He's in like the second row, and then when it when One Winged Angel uh, started, he like walked up to where the choir was belting out like the intro, and he was just singing it like he was doing it with them, and it just felt like man, this is awesome. Like you can tell he's here for like because he it's just having a blast. You know, he's having mm -hmm. a lot of fun and. Like, like, it was, I don't know, there's a lot of chills moments in that set, and that was one of them, it's like him belting out One Wing Angel with the rest of the choir, and it's like, oh, man. It's yeah, no, that song is, like, I think that as much as I, I, like I said, I love some of the songs from some of the other games, like uh, Terra's theme in 6 is one of my favorite pieces of music from the Final Fantasy games as well, mm -hmm. um, but 7 to me just has, like, just big hitter after like like big hit after big hit with every single one of their songs they're so iconic and it's just i it's crazy it almost feels bad that he used all of that music for that one game for that one game yeah it's just, just so good it's it's just it's great music honestly oh for sure yeah and and while 8 and 9 <clears> had their own merits like 7 stands i'd say far and above as one of the better final fantasy soundtracks like cuz like you mm -hmm. said 6 6 set the bar really high it had terra steam had the opera it had um, yeah it had like the climactic battle with um, at the end with uh, boy I'm terrible with names today. Um, uh, Kefka. Kefka, yes, with mm -hmm. um, yeah, dancing Matt. That's it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That song's amazing. But like, it speaks to how strong seven is that they probably they raised the bar from six. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Um, and I still, you know, we talked about the the seven intro a lot, and I think that 
8 also has a really great intro and an intro song. Um, mm-hmm. The whole, like, battle between him and, oh, gosh, what's his name? It starts with an S, the blonde guy. Is it, like, Setzer or something? Mm, I don't know much about 8, sadly. <laughs> okay, I can't remember his name right now. But, like, that whole intro is really cool, too. But still, 7 to me just uh, just takes the cake. Oh, for sure, for sure. It, it, <clears throat> it, it It's still a really good opening intro to what, like, what the rest of the game will be and you have no idea how how deep all that stuff will really go final Fantasy 7 goes places man like was there, <laughs> yes. was, there was there anywhere at the end where you're just like uh, where it started getting to venturing into anime territory where it's just like sephiroth you know infusing himself the way he does and like sending down meteor and going to just blow up the world to save it like was there was there any of that that really um like stuck with you like what do you what do you think of Se- okay let's let's back it up what do you think of sephiroth <laughs> overall like do you like him? Is he kind of just overbearing? Is he kind of generic now? Like, what do you think of him? Sephiroth at the time, and like I think even now, I mean, he's such an iconic villain. I mean, he frequently, when you talk about greatest villains in gaming, even greatest villains just Fiction. in media, like yeah. he, yeah, he he tops the list. Um, and I think that he is unique in that he's not like. I don't, he's he's not just a human, you know what I mean? He, he doesn't have just, like, this Darth Vader, like, oh, I used to be a soldier and now I'm bad. Like, he kind mm-hmm. of had that, but he's, like, almost beyond human now, right. you know? And it's, like, and he... You never really knew what to kind of expect being around him, because, I mean, there are times when you run into him and he doesn't fight you, you know what I mean? He's just, just kind of like, hey, Cloud, like, you know, what's, what's going on with you, uh... <laughs> It, it, and he's very casual about it and just kind of like, you know, why, why are you doing this? You could just it, it, it's it's weird because he's like always threatening, but like not directly toward Cloud because of right. their relationship. So he doesn't always seem like a threat. He's, it's, an, it's an interesting relationship, to say the least. It's, it's very nuanced um, for a game of that era, for sure. Yeah, it's not just like, okay, he's the big bad guy. We're going to make him do as many bad guy things as possible. Um and I mean, like, they kind of did, like, with the burning of Nibelheim and killing Eris and stuff like that. Like, there, there were big things, but it's, like, none of it is, like, personal against Cloud. You know what right. I mean? So it's, it's like, just, he just kind of... Sephiroth kind of finding his own path and, like, you know, <laughs> a bit of a vengeance kind of thing for what's been done to him. And, like, all the all the super soldier stuff that went on with him. Yeah, and, like, you, you get where he's coming from and his motives aren't entirely I mean he's he's obviously an evil guy but like you understand his motives um right. you know and it's not just the whole oh this has been done to me so I'm gonna do it to everyone else like there's a little bit of that there but there's also the kind of that higher purpose and like him wanting to be reunited with his mother in Genova and all that so like it's it's just there's a lot of layers to him um you know and I, it doesn't help that he is just kind of a badass, you know what I mean? Right. Like they play play him up as like you know killing Eris, um, the like I said earlier, like the snake with the pole. Like this is one of the first times that you really um, see his destruction, and like that's pretty insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you wake up, I, I, actually, I remember this is one of the most iconic moments from that game for me. Is when you're captured um, at like the Shinra headquarters and you're mm-hmm. imprisoned for the night, and then you wake up the next morning and everything's and you, dead. And everything's dead. You just see, like, trails of blood, and, like, the music has changed, and it's playing, like, kind of that, like, haunty Sephiroth theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, like, like the doors just open. You wake up. You get your friends. You guys are walking around. There's, like, nothing to fight because everything's just dead. There's, like, blood everywhere. And then you go, and you see, um, not Rufus, but his father um, with, like, Sephiroth's sword through him, and you're just like, holy shit. <laughs> you know? And so, like, that's one of the, the first times that you really... Um, 
kind of see what he does to other people. <laughs> um, you know, and obviously, like I said, like the burning of Nibelheim, like I feel like that's still one of the most iconic cutscenes in gaming is him oh, walking right. through the fire. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that with his face kind of like uh, going up through the flames and then mm-hmm. really zooming in on him. Definitely one of those iconic, you know, frames in games I could definitely see. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he's just, he's, he's a really cool character. Yeah. And, and they, again, talking about milking a little bit, but they, you know, every time, every time Cloud's around, Sephiroth is around. <laughs> yes. you, can, you can, unless it's Smash Brothers, you can hang your hat on that. Like, mm-hmm. he, he was always a... Uh, 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 just a giant asshole nemesis kind of guy in the Kingdom Hearts mm-hmm. games when you had to fight him because like, he just very overwhelming in a in a very Sephiroth fashion. So yeah, yeah. No, he like I said, he's he's a very he's a cool character. He's um, you know he has that badass appeal <laughs> that I think makes him stick around too. A lot of people really like him. Yeah, um, yeah. Iconic iconic weaponry too. You know, like he, yes, yeah, exactly. Giant sword. Yeah, the Matsume or whatever it was. Um, yeah, and no, I mean, it's, it's funny, too, because it's like, I feel like him and Cloud both have such iconic weapons, too, that kind of right. help. You have Cloud with a giant, like, broadsword. Buster and, sword, yeah. Or Buster Blade, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, he's he's a, he's a really cool character. It was cool, too, coming from Kefka in the last game to Sephiroth, because they're just polar opposites. Oh, for sure, <laughs> yeah. Kefka's uh, built to, you know, be larger than life and silly and, like, Kind of jokery mm-hmm. in a way, you know. Yeah, no, Kefka. That's the per- that's honestly how I always describe him. He's very Joker esque, you know. Um, and then they go and to this you- guy who's just like, I mean, on the surface level, I am a just a guy, you know, mm-hmm. with a big sword. Um, but like he gets so he, he gets so much more as the game uh, reaches its climax for sure. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of looking forward on Final Fantasy VII, like. Uh, I mean, it's easy to ask, are you looking forward to the remake? But, like, what's your take on the remake kind of taking more of an action game vibe than your traditional RPG? So, I originally said when they um, were talking about doing the remake, I was like, if I can't control my party, if, like, if this, this, and this happens, if it's not turn-based, I'm probably not going to play it. And I realize now, like, (laughs) I'm definitely full of shit. I will still play it. Right. Um, Like, I don't know. Like, I... I still have a soft spot. So I can't talk. Um, soft spot in my heart. That's what I was trying to say for um, turn-based battle. And I think that's one of the reasons why I, I love the Persona game so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realize that it's kind of a dying genre. Uh, much like I feel like tactic games are kind of the same way. I love tactic games. I think Final Fantasy Tactics is amazing, but you don't see a lot of those anymore. Um, but you see some outliers like. Fire Emblem hold that torch, but exactly, not, yeah, not like Fire Emblem, uh, Pokemon, Pokemon. Well, Pokemon for the turn-based uh, aspect, anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a that's a really great point too. I always forget like Pokemon is technically turn-based. I don't it's, know why. I just never. It is. It is a Japanese role-playing game. It, yeah. It, not just, but it's so big. It's kind of its own thing. It's a Pokemon game, you know. Like, mm-hmm. It's crazy in that regard, but yeah, I mean, when I when I heard it was going towards the action format, I'm like, mm, I guess that. Kind of makes sense. I'm not super happy with it because I also love me some uh, great 2D uh, JRPG battle systems and, and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I said, I was very uh, warm on four, and four kind of invented active time battle. Um, mm-hmm. So I was it, seeing that, that announcement. I'm like, eh, that's a little weird. But honestly, at this point, I kind of just want the game to come out. They said they were yeah. splitting it up into episodes, and I think they still are. I'm, I think last I heard, they're still doing that. I like. 
kind of, I don't know. I mean, like, if literally all they're doing is making the same game and just splitting up into episodes, fine, whatever. But, like, if they're, I don't, it just depends on kind of how they're doing it. I, I don't really see the point of doing that game in episodes, yeah. really. Yeah. The only reason that I could see it is if they want to make more money off of it by selling in individual <laughs> parts or if they just want to get certain parts out faster so that people can play it sooner. But, I mean, I don't um, even know. I don't even know if it's, like, a Telltale-esque thing where it's, like, here's, like, 30 bucks for episode one and the other ones are 15 like yeah. I, don't, I it, they're not clear on it at all, and that's one of the problems. Like transparency has always been an issue with Square, and it's yes. it's more and more clear with this Final Fantasy VII remake of like, well, uh, we had Cyber Connect twenty four, and they make all those anime games that look gorgeous, but uh, we're just gonna let them go. <laughs> yeah, like no, I, I have no in. idea. I have no idea what they're doing with that game. It's like I'm kind of scared, <laughs> but I'm pretty excited. You know, and I've heard that they're also like not really taking anything out but adding more things in and i'm kind of curious what they mean by right. that right yeah you don't want it to be more like star warsian where it's like mm, we didn't need like you know 17 like dobacks in this one outside the bar scene you know like how much yeah. are they actually adding is it going to be compelling like or is it going to take some of that stuff that we have in the other games like crisis core or advent children and sort of sow those seeds in those in that game kind of make and like I would be totally cool with something kind of like that, kind of like the Kingdom Hearts 1.5, 2.5 thing where they added mm -hmm. all the kind of additional games. And even if they want to weave it in there better than Kingdom Hearts does and maybe not have it towards separate games, but like they just take elements from the story and kind of add it in, like that would be cool because, you know, for people who maybe didn't get around to playing all the, um, you know, subsidiary games, it gives you the opportunity to experience all of that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I just hope that they don't add stuff that fundamentally changes like who the characters are um i don't know but i, I like i said i've like my i'm just gonna try to remain optimistic about it i'm gonna hope that it comes out in the next couple years <laughs> you know um maybe in time for and, the 25th anniversary yeah you know and like that would be because isn't the 20 that's well 25th would be 2022 so yeah 2022 because <laughs> well, right, it just had the 20th because it was 97 is when it and everybody out. was gonna like, not everybody but pe like, there were some people like oh we're gonna get that first episode or first part by the end of 2017 like no dude no there's no <laughs> way like i want this out as much as the next guy but there's no possible way that we've seen literally nothing on this game and it's just gonna show up like it's I hope to God it's not going to be another like Mass Effect Andromeda where it's like, eh, it's out in March or it's yeah, out in, it's yeah. out in September. Yeah, like like I said earlier, Dylan, as far as like my rose colored glasses, I feel like we Final Fantasy VII fans are very optimistic humans. <laughs> 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 Too optimistic. So. Right. Um, yeah, and I, I was probably even one of those people too. I was like, oh, well, it's, it's the 20th anniversary, so they're probably going to have something. something. <laughs> <laughs> and then nothing happens. No. But... Yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I'm going to remain optimistic. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to play it. Um, it's just, like, I honestly, and I've told this to multiple people, too, like, for the past, God, probably 20, you know, since I played the game. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, if they if they could literally charge me, like, 80 to to $100 and just give me the game remastered, I'd pay it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not fair, and, like, I feel like a lot of people wouldn't do that, but I would. So, um, you know, I don't know why they're doing the whole episodic thing. I think that they yeah, should just kind of put it out because I'm, I'm also like i'm the type of person who um i'm like i go through phases with games to where i'm not like one of those people mm -hmm. who like uh, like picks the game up and i'm like oh i'm gonna put in an hour today and an hour tomorrow and like I'll, I'll beat it over the course of two weeks like i find like a solid two three days when i have nothing going on and i let a game consume me <laughs> so, i've had like, those i've had those games that was definitely me with uh 
I think most recent was last year with Breath of the Wild. Like that was a good Oh like, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to kind of just wash over me, you know, like one of those mm-hmm. one of those experiences and I don't regret that at all. Um, Breath of the Wild's a good one to play like that. Like I, I could, that's kind of how I did that one too. Um I think for me, the most memorable is probably the Mass Effect trilogy. I literally beat the first two Mass Effect games in like four days. Oh man, <laughs> it was it was bad. It was it was rough time. Yeah, one, one of my co-hosts on my other shows, uh, Kayla, she when Mass Effect three came out, I think mm-hmm. she beat it on the day it came out. Like nice, she, she got it. She got it probably around midnight, and like you know, seventeen hours later, she's done. And I'm like, Kayla, damn, that is Kayla. dedication. <laughs> <laughs> How, you can't even speak to the quality of the Mass Effect 3 ending because you, you have to go to bed. Like, <laughs> like, You're delusional right now. Like, <laughs> she, If not careful, you might start talking about the indoctrination theory or something. You know, <laughs> That's pretty funny. But yeah, Seven's definitely in that echelon of, of like a video game pantheon, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. Iconic games, uh, iconic games throughout gaming history. It's one of those instant sort of like this is one of the best games of all time and uh not to date this too much but ign had a list of like the top 100 games and already final Fantasy 7 is at 99 and i'm just like man that is uh, i saw that okay and like i know i was i was like that's that's real low you, and pokemon it, go is number 100 too and uh, i was like i love ign but like i don't know to me i would to not consider it is it yeah. is i totally agree with that it's like pokemon go i feel like that's just gold farb <laughs> just putting that up there he, he, he like but... put in his two weeks if that didn't make the top 100 somewhere exactly it's just it's just to appease him no i, I really love ign <laughs> and i'm not one of those people who likes to like rip on lists because like everything's a you know subjective a subjective list yeah exactly but i mean so i'm it's... still gonna be a little I, I say that there's still probably a little part of me that's like oh skyrim's number eight and i'm like god shut up <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad that you get it because, like, that's how I'm gonna feel too. Like, if Skyrim is number eight and Final Fantasy yeah. VII is 99, like, ugh. come on. I can't. I can't do it. Can't <laughs> I'm also like, that. I'm just not huge on like most open world games. So mm. like that kind of yeah. <clears throat> that well, kind of automatically knocks Bethesda games off of like my top games lists. Though, they're, like me, they're still fun, but that, that makes me interested to see how you'll take Final Fantasy 15. Then honestly. Yeah, you know, and, like, that's part of, like, I'm so scared to play 15, <laughs> to be completely, and, like, that's part of the reason I feel like I've been waiting, too, is I'm just so scared. I'm gonna, like, I couldn't do Final Fantasy 13. Yeah, I tried it's... playing it, and, like, I hate that you're healed after every battle. I hate that you have no control over your other characters. Like, there, there were just so many things that irritated me, and I was eventually like, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, I remember, I actually remember, now that you mentioned just controlling lightning, um, I remember the moment I'm like, I really don't know about this here, Final Fantasy XIII. It's when I couldn't switch my mm-hmm. party members from auto battle to, like, selective, you know, like, like just choose their actions. And I'm like, what's going, like, what, what's happening here? Like, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, like, that's one thing. And, you know, playing, um, I don't, I don't even know how the battle is in 15. Gosh, like, I've seen Andrew play. So I think you have full control of your party in that. You so do. I think they probably yeah. backed away from 13's, like, okay, you can only play lightning. Um, because, God, if they did that with 7, it's like, part of what makes it cool is, like, everybody's different limit breaks and stuff like that. Yeah, and kind of, yeah. Like, playing with your party um, and, like, you know, deciding who gets what materia. So it's like, if, and that's one thing, too. Like, I really hope they keep the materia system intact because Somehow, I yeah. love it. Um, I think that's one of the best like systems they really had in a Final Fantasy game. Um, though I do, I do love like the job system from five too. I feel like the oh, job yeah. system is so overlooked, but it's like so fun. Um, 
But yeah, no, I, I hope that they keep Materia intact or else I'm going to be pretty sad. Well, yeah, I mean, that's one of the claims to fame for the game when it comes mm-hmm. to um, like changing the battle system from the previous games is the Materia system. And like, it's one of these like things you just share among your party and like you, you can effectively have different builds for different characters than you would any other way through the Materia system. Um, exactly yeah i mean like that's one of the things that's so cool is it's like you know you get one of your characters with high magic and stuff like that you give them the mp boosts and you know give them all your summons and you have somebody who's like just you know great at at summoning things and can you know have the mp to do it so it's like you can have you know different or you can play it a totally different way but like i know that that's one of the ways that i would always kind of do it is like you have like a magic user and then you have somebody who else can do like secondary healing in case they die right right and so there's a whole strategy behind it and so i feel like if they make it to where you can't switch your party member you can't have um you know they kind of little or i guess shrink down the materia system and how mm-hmm. and how that's done um you just have a fundamentally different game as far as strategy goes in the in the combat i'm willing to bet that's what's taking so long like obviously square are a lot of perfectionists so they want the game to be as good as it can be but mm-hmm. when it comes to making this change to like an action game they're probably really running the numbers on how they can implement all the classic Final Fantasy VII, you know, elements into that framework. I think they, they like, they know who this game is for. Um, like, they know like, the ravenous fan base who wants it, so, like, they're not going to just casually, like, meh, there's no material. Like, we're just taking the Final Fantasy XV engine and kind of just applying that to seven. There you go. Like, they're not going to do that. Yeah, and, like, and that's what gives me hope, too, is, like, what you're saying is, like, they know who they're making the game for. Exactly. It's, like, they know that they have, like, this ravenous group of fans. So, it's, like, I feel like that, like, on some level, that, like, keeps them in check, <laughs> you know? Right, it's right. It's, like, uh, they know that if they completely change this game or, you know, manipulate it in any, like, weird ways or don't deliver what they kind of um, know fans are expecting. It's like it's And I think that's part of the reason why they put it off for so long, too, is it's, like, if they don't do a perfect job they're going to hear about it forever forever (laughs) you know exactly so it's um you know and i try not to be like one of those fans because i think there are there are a lot like there's a there's a healthy level between like what your expectations are and like healthy criticism and then people who like send the no man's sky people death threats (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. um but it's like that's the reality is they're gonna gonna have a lot of people who kind of have that mentality so they have to be really careful in how they make this game and the funny thing is, like, the longer it takes, I'd say the, the older and crotchetier the <laughs> complainers will get. So yep, yep. It's, it's not going to, like, you know, kind of wither away with time and, and be forgotten. Like, people will, one way or another, remember this Final Fantasy VII remake uh, in good or bad ways. So mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I mean, Kingdom Hearts are doing the same thing. They keep pushing it further and further back. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah, it's, that, it's that, looking that, like we're getting closer, but I don't game, know. That game seems like it has its... Uh, has its uh, together a bit more than the seven. <laughs> yes, week, but yeah. you know, it's it is a, in that same vein. One of those games just constantly pushed back, and and when I see stuff like it's the end of the Xehanort saga, I'm like, you're telling me the last twenty years have been one, like the Star Wars original trilogy of Kingdom Hearts, and that you have like, I don't know, three or four more of these in the book in, in, in the book. Like I. Mm. Yeah. I, at this point, I just want like a reboot where they focus more on the crossover stuff and less on the original story, like mm-hmm. because there's so many good Disney movies now. Like, I want a Coco World, I want a Moana World, <laughs> yeah, I want, yeah. I want like you know, the Big Hero Six. Fortunately, is getting a world, but you know, oh, they, that's cool. I didn't even realize that. That's they, really cool. 
I think they did that. At, they announced it <laughs> so long ago that Disney Infinity was brand new. Uh, oh, God. Okay. That's how long ago they announced the Big Hero 6 world. And I'm going to be honest with Kingdom Hearts 3. It's like I loved the first two Kingdom Hearts games. I like I played them, obviously, when I was much younger because they came mm-hmm. out forever ago. Um, and like I'm still interested in 3 and I want to play it. Um, but I'm like keeping myself away from all of the news and everything about it because I don't. I feel like the longer it takes, the more expectations build. And, like I just want to go into it blind. I just want to play it. And like I'm just going to, you know, ho- hopefully love it. I want to. Um We'll just I mean, see how it goes. <laughs> I know one way or another, I'm going to just be seeing a lot of that game in my house. So yeah, I may, yeah, I may yeah. as well like hope for the best for it. Because so. <laughs> God only knows how how distraught uh, my girlfriend would be if, if that game ends up being crap or like, you know, kind of mm-hmm. just not what it was supposed to be kind of thing. Be so. Mass Effect Andromeda all over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And <laughs> that was me last year. So hopefully she doesn't have to go through <laughs> the same thing. God. We, we did, there, there's an episode of Grand Forever on Mass Effect Andromeda, and while people were kind of warm on it, I feel like I was the only voice of, what's the opposite of a voice of reason? Like a voice of treason. <laughs> like a voice of treason. That's what a it was. A voice of treason, like, I love it. Like, That's great. Uh, like, no, this game is, this game is like, this is emblematic of everything EA has done wrong. Oh, God. This is why, <laughs> this is why Giant Bomb's fucking most disappointed list was literally all three EA categories, man. Like... Oh, yeah god. god yeah oh my gosh they were I, i've never thought of it that way but like yeah they would all be because what was it like battlefront, battlefront 2, 2 andromeda. andromeda um it, i think it would have been like it could have been like online pass kind of stuff i actually kind of forget yeah right now, yeah but, like they're they're always there for something man and i i please let anthem be good please just I'm I, so scared for Anthem, but, like, see, I feel like this whole episode is just me being like, I'm so scared, but I hope it's good. Yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, ho- I, I hopeful, like, you know, keeping your optimism in check, but still hoping for the best. That's, yeah. that's always good. But, I mean, Anthem is, it. I'd say Destiny is at a low point right now, so I guess it's technically a good time for, you know, Anthem to swoop in. Because, mm-hmm. like, that's that's actually, to go a little off topic, like, that's why Fortnite's doing so well, is because, like, it was able to see what PUBG lacked and filled in those gaps. Yep. So, no, one hundred percent. It's. I think it's actually it's an actual business practice of like, it's way better to be second to the market because you can just, like you know, fill in those mistakes that the first one in the market did. So yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Square takes those lessons to heart when it comes to Final Fantasy VII and like sees how reception. I because I think we're a few years out from Seven remake. Yeah. I want reception on Kingdom Hearts 3 to kind of telegraph to them, like, okay, we don't need to take, like, seven years, eight years, nine years on these things. Like, let's let's kind of go back to the old days. Not in that they can recapture that magic, because, like, 7, 8, and 9 came out within four years. You know, that, mm-hmm. which is insane. Yeah. Insane. And actually, 10's in that, too. 10 came out, like, a year after 9. And I'm like, what the hell? Like... No, I mean, when streak. you look at, yeah, when you look at, like, the games that they put out just in that decade, like, it's insane that in that decade they put out all of those titles. I mean, like, I'm, like I said, I'm not even the biggest fan of, like, eight. Like, it's it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that following seven and, like, nine coming after is a disservice to it because it's just, like, <laughs> compared to those two, it's like, eh, eight, you know. But I know a lot of people who really love it, so. Um, but, like those are just all such good games such mm-hmm. such good games all in the same like and that's what made playstation kind of like the top dog i'd say is like uh, the the whole marketing blitz around final fantasy 7 like i can make a pretty compelling argument that 
Like, seven's the reason PlayStation blew up the way it did. It was like, this oh, is the future of games. Agree. This is the future of video games, and, like, games are all going to look like this. They're all going to be crazy awesome like this. And mm -hmm. they, boy, were they uh, really eager and deservingly eager to just, you know, kick dust on Nintendo after all that stuff. Like, because, you know, very storied history of seven. Seven was originally going to be on the N64, and, and it was going to be on, like, a uh, its own little proprietary engine, but... Square wanted more power. They wanted more, like, you know... They liked the disc format of PlayStation way more than they liked the cartridge format on N64. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what led them to go with Sony, and that was definitely Sony's ace in the hole for PlayStation. That and Metal Gear Solid, I'd say. Yeah. No, I Those completely two. agree with you. And, like, what's actually is you bringing up that story. If you ever get the chance to go to IGN, like, you, Dylan, or listeners or whatever, they actually <laughs> have, um, like, a, a basically a playstations like nintendo like hybrid or whatever when from when they were working together yeah, so it's prototype. like an yeah exactly like they have the prototype of that um where you can actually put a disc in and stuff like that and it's really cool to see um so it's that's an interesting thing to check out oh for sure and it, it's funny how final fantasy <clears throat> 7 is so roped into these two like video game giants and like they're it, it was it, i wouldn't call it like a divorce settlement but it kind of was you know like <laughs> kind of yeah a little like bit. sony sony got to keep custody of final fantasy 7 and it ended up being much better for it so mm -hmm. i can't even yeah i can't imagine it being on um in 64 it's crazy oh me neither yeah I, I think originally they had like a a remake of six that they did in the in 64 engine they were going to use for seven and probably probably as they were making it they're like mm, okay <laughs> We, we got to make some calls. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it's like, I mean, just look at the difference between, because, gosh, when did Mario 64 come out? Like, that 96? was like 96, like November 96 or something. Yeah, like I, yeah. I think it was 96. And so the following year was Final Fantasy 7. And just look at the difference between the two. It's like, it so obviously you have your polygon characters. And I'm not saying Mario 64 is not an amazing game because it is. But um, just very, very, very different, <laughs> you know? For sure. Despite yeah. coming out within months of each other. Within months, and I think in Japan even less time, because I... Yeah, probably. As I, I was doing more research uh, for this episode, and at 7 came out in, like, January 97. Um, so it was, like, very quick to, you know, eat Nintendo's lunch, really. Yeah. So. Um, <clears> but <throat> any any closing thoughts on 7? Do you think, like, uh, if, if... Let's say there's a listener who hasn't played the game, would you recommend they kind of just wait it out for the remake or um like how did how did andrew take to seven i know he was making fun of you and stuff but like <laughs> did he at least enjoy his time yeah no he 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 loves the game overall like he he really does um nine is always going to be his favorite he's a nine fanboy which i get like i said i love nine um but he really likes seven seven does a lot of things right there are a lot of silly mistakes as far as like just even just in like the translation is kind of rough at times mm -hmm. um but I think that overall, it, the game has a lot of heart to it. Um, and like, f as far as me recommending playing the one that currently exists versus the one that's going to come out, like the remake, hopefully, <laughs> um, I would just kind of have to play the remake first, I guess, because like, I'm assuming that it's not going to lose some of its charm and heart and character, uh, or like all of it, all of it, I guess. It's not going to lose yeah. all of that. But um, I don't know. You know, like I have no idea what they're really going to do. Um, mm -hmm. I would say that if you're somebody who can't handle um, games not being pretty, um, as far as like just graphically, I mean, because it's still it's it's still a pretty game. Like the places are cool. Um, the hand, like I said, the hand drawn backgrounds are really awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, the music is great. Characters are great. But um, it's just it is not the best to look at. Even the cutscenes, you know, 
Cloud's still a polygon in all the cutscenes, right. you know? Like they're all still they're all still just blocks. Um, and so I like I've had friends who like really liked Final Fantasy and like the story of it, um, and uh, like Advent Children and, and like all of the other properties that came out, but they can't play Final Fantasy VII because of how it looks, and it breaks my yeah, heart. But I yeah. get it. And so if you're one of those people, um, I would say wait till the remake, and hopefully the remake will be just as good. Um, but if you, but I think it's an important game to play. I think it's a big part of gaming history. I think that um, it shows you a lot of what games can do and like that's what it did for me is it showed me to me final fantasy was the first the final fantasy 7 was the first game that showed me like what a game could be and right. it made me fall in love with games man that and that is you know like that is like, that speaks a lot to what final fantasy 7 was at the time and still really is so um and mm -hmm. i i'm curious to play it they and until recently it was really hard to find honestly they had a and I'd yeah. say within the last three years, they had a good PC version, and then they ported that PC version to PS4. Mm -hmm. So it's... And I think that version's also on phones. They they didn't quite square it up on the phone port. I think it is just a... Like a literal trans... Uh, not translation, but like a port um, from the PC version. So it's... Seven's around. You know, there's plenty of places to give it a shot. So I, I would definitely recommend uh, one of those places for sure. And I, I'm... Just in this conversation alone, I am eager to like, give it a... Uh, Another chance, you know, another look. Um, uh, and a gay phone version on the go would probably be the best way. But, uh, well, best way in terms of convenience. I don't know if it yeah, can, you controls know, and well. Honestly, um, I played, like, and I, I played originally um, Final Fantasy VI on PlayStation 1. Because um, I remember I had the anthology. I had 5 and 6. They're both a lot of fun. But 6, mm -hmm. obviously, just fantastic game. But I recently bought 6 like probably three years ago on my iPhone and I played it and it was like an older iPhone too. So like it wasn't even, it was probably like an iPhone six or something. It wasn't even a huge screen and actually it plays super, super well. And like, I still really enjoyed it and it was nice having it everywhere. Um, you know, seven's also available. If you have like a Vita, you could play it on your Vita too. But I think that the phone port would probably still be great. Mm -hmm. In fact, one of the things that I looked for, cause I, I went from the iPhone is what I had it for. And then I went to an Android and then I went back to iPhone like a month ago <laughs> and it was still saved in like my iTunes or like whatever, you know, like the games that I, purchase and so i re-downloaded it on my phone and like i'm probably gonna start it again because it's such a good game oh, man. um yeah so um but the the, the port for six was really good i would assume that seven is and it was the pc kind of port um i would assume that seven is going to be the same way and i would recommend it um if mm. you don't feel like playing it on console or vita or whatever and if you're just kind of uh <clears throat> not want to make a huge commitment there's a really funny web series called uh, final fantasy 7 machina bridged which is like a hybrid machinima you know you take the in-game assets and really and um they basically just add mouth flaps to them to write their own dialogue um it's <laughs> it's a it's a you know, comedy series it's very very good it's from team four star the people who made uh dragon ball z abridged um so it's good pedigree on that one and it was it it did introduce me to some of the late game stuff because i never got that far in final fantasy 7 so it's uh it's a good, it's a good uh, little thing to just you know dip your toes into Final Fantasy VII, and if you think it's interesting, you know go from there. So, but I think that's gonna wrap it up for this week. Uh, Jessica, thank you so much for coming on. You had a lot to say about Final Fantasy VII, for sure. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me on. It's it's great to get to talk for an hour and a half about my favorite game. <laughs> so. I mean, yeah, that's that's what this that's the foundation <laughs> of Grind Forever, and you can find uh, this and every episode of Grind Forever on PNBcast.com. That is where all of our podcasts live. Um, this podcast uh, and Level Select and Full Metal Optimist, it was all funded through Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash PNB. And Jessica, I believe you have a Patreon you want to promote as well? 
Sure, yeah. No, so um, Andrew and I do Kiss Kiss Game Game as our podcast. The uh, Patreon is KKGG Podcast. Um, so if you want to head over there, you can. Uh, early access is just like a dollar. We have various other tiers that you guys can check out. But um, the whole thing with our show is we just talk about uh, games and the relationships in them and how they apply to real life. So that's kind of what we do. Now, have you actually covered Final Fantasy VII in that, in that in Kiss Kiss Game Game? We actually haven't, but I ha- I'm talking to a guest right now, and he is All choosing. Right. He's choosing between um, Final Fantasy VII or Persona Four, which are two of my all-time favorite games, and also two of his all-time favorite games. I'm about to say those are um, those are heavy hitters for that podcast. Yeah, Almost, <laughs> so. I I just recently listened to the one you did with uh, Kaylee. Um, with oh Persona yeah, 5. yeah. So yeah, that, that both of those games very heavy hitters for your particular show too. So mm-hmm. interesting how that works. Um, but uh, yeah, so. Uh, definitely uh, give Kiss Kiss Game Game a listen. Um, it's a very entertaining show. Uh, definitely give our podcast here on the PNB Network a listen. Um, we are getting into the weeds with Full Metal Optimist. We have just gotten out of the little introductory uh, episodes of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, and we're starting to develop more of a plot uh, for the actual show itself. And uh, it's the most fun I've had in podcasts, I'll say right now. No offense to you, Jessica. <laughs> no, but, I saw. What's funny is you're describing this. I didn't even know that you guys were doing it. So it's like a watch along podcast for Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Yep, it sure is. Okay, yep. so I'm going to listen to that because I absolutely love Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. So right, that sounds amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. One of my favorite shows. It's oh yeah, it's incredible. And I watched it a long time ago. And watching it again for this show has been a treat. Let me tell you. Yeah, no, that's one of those shows that every time you go back to it, it's still just so good. And it's it's it has a fantastic art style studio bone like just Mm -hmm. oh it's amazing they're they're the ones who also i think do um my hero academia right now so yeah yeah which is also a really great show exactly (laughs) exactly so uh definitely pnb podcast uh pnb cast on twitter is where you can find me uh or sorry the podcast you can find me at tierney on twitter uh jessica they can find you at uh, i believe jka jk howard <laughs> it's, it's hard so it's j-s-k-u-h-o-w-a-r-d so it's jessica it. howard j-s-k-u-h-o-w-a-r-d it's a little bit weird <laughs> so gotcha, gotcha. No, whenever i play like on a psn my name's jessica on there and a lot of people are just like jessica <laughs> <laughs> and then and then they were like oh it's jessica yeah i'm like yeah yeah <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. It's, it's a little weird to look at <laughs> uh but for myself and jessica uh, we'll see you next week. Jessica, what is a ending song you want to go out on? An ending song? One Final Fantasy VII song, just right here. Ooh, okay. Um, oh, gosh. Um, the Bronco song. <laughs> Bronco song. Got it. Yeah. The Tiny Bronco. You just listened to a show on the PNB Network, and it was made by people just like you. Here are our following executive producer on the show. Aziz Tuajeri, Brandon Lundy, 
John Olson, and Wesley Green. If you want to be like them, go to patreon.com slash pnb and sign up uh, for our $15 tier and become an executive producer on the show. Thanks. We love you guys. Bye.